0: Welcome everybody to the Boiler Upload Podcast. Brought to you as always by Reindeer Shuttle because driving to the airport sucks. You gonna be driving to the airport much this year, Jace, for football?
1: Nah, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna drive to most of the games.
0: That yeah, are I mean, out, of, out of town. They're relatively close. We got what five road games. You got Michigan. You got Northwestern. Those are nearby. Virginia mm. Tech. Nebraska is out there. Yeah, and Iowa, Iowa's not too bad. I've I've done that one.
1: Yeah, I think the only one you re- you should probably fly to is Nebraska, just because it's like nine ten hours. But other than that, like Virginia Tech's like seven ish from my house, so um, I think I'm gonna drive to that one. There but if go. I didn't, if I flew, I would definitely take reindeer shuttle.
0: Absolutely, you take reindeer shuttle and you wear your home field apparel gear because it is really comfortable. To wear home field apparel stuff and travel. They've got some of the softest shirts out there. I love their shirts. Uh, one of my favorites is the VBS podcast shirt I have for one of the full, Shutdown Fullcast uh, producers that is out there. He has his own podcast for the VBS podcast. It's an 8 bit Moses holding the 10 commandments, and it's wonderful. And it could be yours or any of the other wonderful home field apparel shirts. Homefieldapparel.com. Use code BOILER upload. Now that we've paid some bills, Let's get to the business of the evening. As you guys know, I am Travis Miller, the publisher of uh, Boat Boiler Upload. And with me, as always, is Jace Jellison. And we are here to just talk strictly football tonight, aren't we? Yeah.
1: And I mean, it's a great time to do so. We're counting down the days. Uh, by the time this goes out, we're going to be about a month away from Purdue football. Um, after months and months of coaching changes and, and roster <laughs> turnover and recruiting, and all that, we finally get to watch Purdue football uh, at ross State Stadium, a, a renovated Ross-Ade Stadium. So I couldn't be more excited for fall camp to start and then obviously the season to start shortly thereafter.
0: Well, especially since last season ended with, you know, a tough, hard-fought game in the Big Ten championship game. And then there was no Purdue football after that. Not a single thing, not even the spring game, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it's nice to get back into things. We've been talking coaching changes, recruiting, transfer portaling, and now we finally get to see it all come together. It's been a long couple of months, but uh, really what stands out to you here at the start as uh, as we're just days away from training camp starting?
1: Yeah, I think Coach Walters talked about this a little bit at the, uh, the post presser media scrum that we all did with him. He is just ready to get out on the field. Bottom line, um, I think, you know, he really embraces the whole recruiting aspect and and all the things that come with that. Um, and obviously, if you follow the Purdue football program, you know that's created a lot of buzz um, in a good way. So I think that that part's out of the way for him, at least right now, and he's just ready to get back to what he does best, which is, which is coaching football.
0: Oh, absolutely. And as fun as recruiting is – this is recruiting for the 2024 class. You know, Uh those guys are committed. Unfortunately, we're not going to see them on the field for another year or even two for many of them that end up redshirting. So Mm -hmm. now it's time for, you know, actual practice, actual games, and see how everything comes together. And, you know, kind of what have you seen so far and how things are coming together for them?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, there's just, there's no other way around it. There's a lot of question marks surrounding this team.
0: Oh yeah,
1: all aspects are brand new. Essentially, <laughs> uh, brand new defense that's unlike anything that the college football world has really ever seen. Um, a brand new offense, which kind of has the same philosophy as what Jeff Brom and Brian Brom did uh, during during their tenure in West Lafayette. But um, I mean, you're replacing about half the starters. I think more than half of the starters now um, from last year's Big Ten championship game team. Um, so there's just so many question marks, and I think we're going to get a lot of answers here during fall practice or fall camp um, leading up into the season.
0: Now, I know that you mentioned those question marks. One of the things that Kyle and I talked about in the last couple of podcasts, the biggest question mark seems to be that offensive line. What have mm-hmm. you seen, and how do you see that question being answered?
1: Yeah, so in that media scrim I talked about a second ago, uh, Coach Walters actually came out and said that Marcus Bowe is going to be starting fall camp at tackle, uh, which is something that Kyle and I and, and yourself have talked about at length uh, for months now. Is that possibility? Um, ever since spring practice started and we saw him getting reps there, um, I think that's a really good move for them just to sure up uh, both both tackle spots with him and Mahamane Musa. I think those two starters are are locked in. Um, the biggest kind of X factor or question mark there. Um, in terms of which guys will be available, is Gus Hartwig, obviously. Three-year starter, uh, turned into the leader of that offensive line. It's looking more and more like we're not going to see Gus Hartwig to start the year. Um, So that kind of throws a wrench in things. Um, I think Jalen Grant was probably going to start at either left or right guard. I think that moves him to center now, uh, which he's – I mean, he's had equal amount of experience at both – uh, guard and center, so that's not a huge deal. Um, getting Gus Hartwick back will help, just the continuity of the of the offensive line and things of that nature. But um, so I think center, left tackle, right tackle, all those three should be locked in by now. Um, the biggest question marks are going to be right guard and left guard, um, and and like Kyle and I have talked about a few times on the on the podcast, that's been where Purdue kind of focused their, their efforts in the transfer portals, bringing in guys that can play guard. Um, you look at guys like Luke Griffin, who has a history with Marcus Johnson from Missouri. Uh, I think he's a really good candidate to, to slide in at that left guard spot, uh, steal that starting spot, and then Preston Nichols, transfer from UNLV. Uh, he's another, uh, another possibility. And then you got guys like Austin Johnson, who he's going to be a late addition to the, to the roster. Uh, but he could fight for minutes. And then Josh Kaltenberger, I feel like um, we didn't get necessarily called out about it, but it just feels like (laughs) a lot of people have been forgetting about him. Um, Started the last last three games, I believe, three or four games um, of last year after Hartwig got hurt, obviously. Did an admirable job. Um, I haven't quite heard much about what the new staff thinks of him. I think we'll learn a lot more here in the next couple weeks, but um he's certainly another candidate to to start he can also play guard um and then as far as depth pieces go uh Ben Farrell and Daniel Johnson are the two top guys at tackle um so if if anything happens to Bo or Musa, one of those guys is going to slide right in and um I think both of them can can be serviceable um Maybe not to the level of Musa and, and and Bo, who were both like freshmen all Americans last year, had phenomenal, phenomenal years on one of the best offensive lines in the in the conference. Um, so if one of them goes down, then Ben Farrell, who was a transfer from Indiana Wesleyan. Um and the Daniel Johnson, who he's still recovering from an ACL uh, that he suffered against Michigan up or not Michigan, excuse me. Uh, Maryland, I believe. Um, so he didn't practice during during spring ball, but he should be back for fall camp. Uh, but that's kind of how I see the line shaking out. Obviously, uh, like we saw last year, Daniel Johnson going down, Cam Craig having to retire. All these things are fluid, especially with offensive linemen. Um, they they get pretty bruised um, throughout the season. So um, things could change, but that's how I kind of see it for right now.
0: Well, And it's good to have that depth, too, because that mm-hmm. was honestly my biggest concern was depth at the tackle spots. Uh, you mentioned Hartwig. Yeah, it's, it stinks to lose a guy like that if he's going to miss any extended time. But at least it seems like that's a position where Purdue has some depth mm-hmm. and uh, some experience, too, with, like like you mentioned, Kaltenberger and company. So, you know, yeah. I'm feeling a little bit better about that now. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably the next question is the defensive secondary. I Honestly, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I know there's a lot of new pieces, but uh, you had – uh walters had three of his guys drafted last year and what the top 100 picks out of his secondary uh so i'm like yeah let's see what he can do with these guys
1: yeah and um someone the other day was asking him about how much he plays uh zero coverage and it was the most in the in the country last year so, obviously, this secondary is going to be tested. They're going to have to show up. They're going to live and die by these cornerbacks and Cam Allen, Sanusi Kane, et cetera, on the, on the back end. Um, it's another group that has a bunch of question marks. <laughs> the, the most experienced guy is Jamari Brown coming back for his sixth year. He's played in 42 games. Um, has started started a decent amount, but hasn't been like a full-time starter for, for a couple years now, um, back to his first year at Purdue. Um, he's going to be the the veteran presence in that room, um, and he's going to have to show up. He's going to have to be more consistent um, if Purdue wants to be um, effective um, defending the pass. And then obviously, like you mentioned, some of the guys that are coming in, uh, Marquise Wilson from Penn State, Salim turner Muhammad from Stanford, and Marquivius Brown from Ole Miss. All three of those guys were fighting for starting spots at their previous schools um, heading into – what would have been their 2023 seasons t- there. Um, but those are three other guys that never really were able to crack the starting lineup at, at their schools. It's not like you're bringing in a a, a Joey Porter Jr. or a Will Johnson from Michigan or anything like that. So these guys have something to prove. Um, but I will say Ryan Walters turned Devon Witherspoon, who was a zero-star recruit, barely had any offers, uh, turned him into a top five NFL draft pick. Turned Kirby Joseph a couple years ago. Um, he was a converted receiver. Um, moved to the defensive side, started at safety for them. Uh, got drafted. So I think the way he goes about teaching these guys, and he's going to be hands-on with them. We saw it during spring practice, uh, Coach O'Brien's obviously the safeties coach, but but Ryan Walters is going to be involved in that room, and he's gonna he's gonna make sure that that things are going smoothly uh, for both the safeties and then um, Sam Carter's cornerback room.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think it's very interesting, like you said, with Jamari Brown, who, yeah, he's the most experienced guy. He may not even start again this mm-hmm. year, but it's great to have that depth. And then, uh, haven't we heard some good news about uh, Dylan Thiedemann in the back in the defensive backfield too, as a true freshman?
1: He has been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, and it's—I mean, it's no surprise. You look at his two brothers; they start as walk-ons, they um, turned into team captains, and and became beloved by Purdue fans. Uh, Dylan Thieneman might be the best out of all three, and I don't really think I'm going out on a limb by saying that. Um, he could be up to number two on the depth chart, and we haven't even reached fall camp. That's how—that's yeah,
0: impressive for a true freshman, too. That's
1: how good he's been.
0: Yeah, I I love seeing that. And anytime you get contributions like that from a true freshman, Mm -hmm. uh, especially somebody who's, you know, a three-star recruit or whatnot, it just seems like Purdue's a program where you have to be exceptional to play as a true freshman. And Mm -hmm. for him to already be in that discussion is great.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you look back at like recent times, Nick, formerly Nick Carraway, obviously Nick Scorton. now. um, He was the only one that got any type of consistent run last year as a true freshman, and and even he didn't see a whole bunch of snaps. And then you got to go back to like David Bell and George Karloftis and Rondell Moore. Those were the three guys that I can remember in, in recent history that really stood out as true freshmen. Um, you don't you're not going to see that a whole lot. Even with um, even with others, so like if you're in the in the Big Ten or at a Power Five school, you're going to come in as a true freshman. You're probably going to redshirt. Um, unless a bunch of injuries take place. And, I mean, that's kind of what we've seen as the tradition at Purdue. But um, I think I think a handful of these true freshmen coming in this year, I think they could get some some pretty decent run on special teams. Um, I don't know how likely it is that, that they'll play significant minutes, barring injuries, uh, like I've stated before. But um, there, there's a handful of guys that Ryan Walters and Kevin Cain-Graham are, are really excited about.
0: Okay. So we, we talked about Hartwig and we talked about, uh, Daniel Johnson, who are some other guys that are battling to come back from injury. I know Garrett Miller missed all of last year after tearing his ACL and, uh, he he's expected to be back and that is a key piece. Who else are we looking at?
1: Yeah. So uh, just to touch on Garrett Miller a little bit, he, I mean, he tore tore his ACL last August. Um, so not even a year ago at this point. Um, I mean, I, Kyle touched on it perfectly in the forums the other day. He said, um, we know what ACLs are now. They're not what they used to be, uh, but it's still going to take him a little bit to kind of get his legs under them and, and um, get back up to game speed. So Paul Pfefferia could could pop in there, Drew Bibber, uh, Max Clare. They could get some um, some additional snaps. Um, but on the defensive side, I mean, that front seven was super banged up. They were dropping mm-hmm. like flies during spring ball. Um, Kadron Jenkins and Scotty Hampton, Scotty Humpich, excuse me. Uh, neither of them even even dressed during spring ball, and those are two guys that are are expected to have some pretty significant roles in this defense, particularly Jenkins. Um, I think I believe he led led the team in sacks and tackles for loss. Um, out of all returning guys. Um, so he's going to be a big piece. He should be back. Um, he's battled injuries his whole Purdue career. It's kind of unfortunate for a guy um, with his talent level. Um, and then on the front line. Uh, two guys that I think have the ability to star Isaiah Nichols and Demarjay Lewis. Neither of them practiced um, during spring ball. Uh, Nichols was one of the one of the bigger guys that uh, Purdue got out of the transfer portal from from Arkansas. Um, they never disclosed what that injury was, so I can't. I'm not really going to comment on that. Um, Demarjay Lewis is another guy kind of similar to Garrett Miller. He he went down during fall camp last year. Um, missed all of 2022, but he's a guy that that they really like in that. Um, in that defensive line room, uh, headlined by Brick Haley. so I think he's another guy that that could slide into a starting spot. Um, it, it'll it'll be interesting, just like the offensive line, to see kind of how the defensive line, how that puzzle kind of um, figures itself out. And then a couple of rotational guys that we've talked about depth on this podcast um, a bunch today, but um, Suleiman Paka and, and Principal Junior. Uh, those are another two guys that that battle some injuries during the spring, but uh, they should be back by the fall. No problem.
0: Sweet, sweet. So let's talk some position battles. Uh, Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think one that has not gotten a lot of attention, but I think is one of the larger ones on the team kicker. I mean, we got, we got three guys that, you know, have been talked about it with Ben free Hill with Caleb Krak and Julio Macias. Who's kind of in the lead right right now for that?
1: I, I mean i think it's freehill um the most the most senior guy uh with the most experience although he's never kicked a field goal in an actual game before um, at purdue so um but he he proved a lot during spring ball um and i think it was reflected by coach Walters giving him a scholarship um at the end of the session so i think he's it's his job to lose if he comes out and he he craps the bed during fall camp then yeah i think caleb crockover or Messias could come in and, and and threaten him for that job but um as of right now i think it's been for you
0: yeah because Crockover's the only one with experience he kicked a single extra point last year <laughs> uh against indiana state so uh and then really you've got a whole new unit there you're gonna have a new holder i'm not even sure who's battling for that and you've got a new long snapper too so that you know, a lot of people don't pay, a lot of regular fans don't pay a lot of attention to that. But that is going to be a critical aspect, especially if you get in a close game.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, I pretty got punter locked down with Jack Ansell. Um, yeah, he, he did very well last year. And then Daniel Hawthorne, who's another transfer from Missouri. He's coming in a long snapper to compete with Nick Taylor. Um, I, I tend to lean towards Hawthorne just because he's had three years of experience um he's a three year quote unquote starter cuz long snappers don't really start the game. Uh but, <laughs> but he was he was their uh, main main long snapper down at Mizzou, so um I think he'll get the starting nod.
0: Sweet. And what are some of the other position battles that you're looking into here as we get ready for camp?
1: Yeah, I think both of the defensive end spots, they're going to be really interesting um uh, to see kind of which way they go cuz Joe Anderson was a guy that former four-star recruit um, I know a lot of Purdue fans were excited about him when he first transferred here, but didn't really do anything over his first couple years. Um, he really impressed the new staff. So he's a guy that could come in and, and potentially start Isaiah Nichols um, and Demarjay Lewis, like I just mentioned. Malik Langham, who I'm not as high on. Um, I know some people are just because he's a kind of a SEC transfer, and um, I think he'll be another rotational piece. Um, and then Jeffrey Embaugh, he's the guy that I'm most excited to see on the defensive side of the ball. He's a athletic freak, uh, three hundred and twenty pounds, huge, like six six, I believe, um, off the top of my head. Uh he's a guy that has truly untapped potential. Coming from Auburn, um has only been playing football for a handful of years. Um he's a guy that I think I think he's gonna come in and light the world on fire during fall camp and steal that no spot position from Cole Brevard.
0: Wow, that's that's good. I know Kyle was very high on him as well. <laughs>
1: He, I mean, he, I think he played 83 snaps last year for Auburn, and he had like 10 tackles or something like that. Like, he was pretty productive for the limited amount of time he got on the field. So I think it's a matter of of Brick Haley and, and Kevin Kane putting him in a good spot, and I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, you're getting a guy that can move like that at 320, getting one-on-ones the whole time. Every, every single snap he's getting a one-on-one. He's going to be a menace if he puts it all together.
0: 6'6", oh, six, six, 320, I don't want to block him.
1: <laughs> He's <laughs> wild. He's wild, too. He I, I think to my
0: pass. best blocking strategy would be to fall down and hope he tripped over my prone body. Top block? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> All righty well uh let's let's just take a look at the early non conference schedule here i know we've i've gone through and done my uh season first looks and then this week i'm getting some i'm gonna have some q and a's with the various uh non conference blogs but uh Fresno state virginia tech syracuse uh lots being made with playing two power five teams but honestly i think that's very manageable um if things come together pretty quickly and i think purdue's got a lot of depth but it's not sure – I'm not sure where all those pieces go. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I, it's it's interesting because I look at these first three games, and in my mind I say Purdue should win all these. No problem. Because mm-hmm. you look at Fresno State, they're losing Jake Hayner. They are coming off back-to-back 10 win seasons. Um, they're really well coached out there in the Mountain West. But mm-hmm. um, they're losing their starting quarterback who's – Arguably one of the best in in their in the history of that school, um, and they didn't particularly do well against against power five schools last year. I believe they went one and two. I, I'd have to you'll have to check me on that. I believe they went one and two last year against power five schools in the non conference. Um, so that's a game that per- should win, especially at home. You don't have to deal with all the travel and all that. Um, Virginia Tech was uncharacteristically. Unchar-
0: Sorry, I messed that word up. Oh, no, you're fine. It was, Characteristically, it was, it was a bad year for Vate. Yes. Let's it, be honest.
1: It, it was it was brutal down there in Blacksburg. Um, so, that I mean, Virginia Tech's always going to have a rowdy crowd, um, a really good environment. It's one that – it's honestly up there with Michigan, one of the ones I'm most excited to see this year. But that's another game I think Purdue can win. I don't think Virginia Tech did a whole lot this offseason to um, – to improve their roster a whole lot. Um, obviously, they can come out and surprise some people in the ACC. But that's another very winnable game. And then you look at Syracuse; they still have Garrett Schrader um, at quarterback, who who did really well against Purdue last year. But I mean, they lost. I, I, I want to say they went like one and six down the stretch last year after they got out to that six and zero start. Uh, that's another game I think Purdue could win, especially at home. And it was really close when. Syracuse was playing the best that they'd played in a decade last year. Yeah. And
0: Purdue gave that game away. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. They gave that game away. late. Like. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So, I mean, all three of these games are, are games that Purdue can easily win. Um, but obviously we're talking all on paper here. Um, mm-hmm. a, a couple of these teams could come out and, and contend for for conference titles in their respect in their respective leagues. So um, I think we'll, we'll, We'll learn a lot about who Purdue is in these first three games of the season, because after that, it turns into
0: a gauntlet for them um, in the Big Ten. And, and see, I'm I I just I don't think the Big Ten is that daunting. I mean, yes, you've got Ohio State and Michigan. You know, that's I would be shocked to Purdue win either one of those games. But any of the others, I mean, you get Indiana from the East and they've not been great the last two years. Mm-hmm. And then the big 10 West has been, well, the big 10 West Purdue won it at six and three last season. So, I mean, <laughs> I, everybody's talking about how tough the schedule is. I, I think it's just got a lot of toss-up games. There's not a lot Mm -hmm. of games where I think Purdue is completely out of it, but there's also not a lot of games that I think Purdue is just, you know, automatically going to be favored to win, you know, outside of probably Northwestern, because boy, they're going to be a mess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I don't see how you can get much of anything out of Northwestern this season. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I can't blame them, honestly, and all the stuff that
1: they've been through, and David Brown's walking into a into a dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, are they even going to have guys stay in camp at this point?
1: <laughs> I don't know if anyone's left. Oh, they have. They've all entered the portal.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's gonna be another. T-
1: it's gonna. It's gonna be another tough one up there in uh, Evanston. <laughs>
0: Well, all right. Uh, we do not have Casey this week for uh, any basketball, at least right now. He's going to have an update later in the week for basketball. So do you have any final thoughts before we sign off here?
1: No, I'm good. I'm excited for the season. I'm, I'm excited for the season, Star. I can't wait to, to get back on campus.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, as of this recording, 33 days, uh, once it goes up 32 days to the season starts. So just over a month away, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think one of the reasons I think mentioning Dylan Thienemann earlier, I think we're going to have one of the favorite players in our household because my son's name is Dylan spelled <laughs> that way. And you don't see many guys spelled with the name Dylan spelled that way. So mm. he's really excited to see Dylan Thienemann play. <laughs>
1: that's awesome that's awesome
0: all righty well for jace and for our sponsors of course uh, reindeer shuttle and Homefield apparel we do appreciate you listening and casey will be back later this week to talk some basketball but until then i am travis miller of boiler upload and boiler up